name Marcus. Yo. You like movies? Yes, I do. You want to put a bookend on this godforsaken year? Yeah, sure. Okay. This is Evers in America Movie Podcast, recording from the COVID quarantine. Hi, Doug. Marcus, you ever smoke PCP? We know the answer is no for now. Not yet, yeah. Not yet. That's a very positive answer. That, that, that gives, you know, question. That gives suggestion. That gives uh, intrigue. You I'm, know those... I'm, I'm, um, I'm on them gummies, though. Not right now, but... You don't need to, like, forecast that. Um, it's just fun. You, I don't know. You know those masterclass videos? Master Like, on... Sure, I guess, in general. Where it's like, yeah. you can learn what it's like to be, like, a director or the greatest barbecue chef. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. And some of them are really silly and... There's so many opportunities to turn it into a parody, but there's actually one that I thought was very interesting with Hans Zimmer, where he's like explaining how he scores movies, and I had to stop watching it because I don't want to be influenced. Like how I score movies is very specific, and I haven't scored a feature length in a while. So if y'all are making feature length movies and you need someone to score, I just I just finished my new album. Marcus is on it. Um, Hell yeah. It's probably the first, if not one of the first ambient records that has scratching. Like the songs that Marcus scratches on are like ambient tracks. Yeah. There's like, and I gave you really specific notes and I was very proud of, I'm very proud of that collaboration. This year, more than any it's Scott and a couple of, and a couple of other folks, but like scratches I did, folks were like, "Hey, can you do it this way?" Because for years of doing scratches, I know we're not talking about hip hop music, but in general, well, it's I'm about hip hop. So when I send I, over I these approach, years of scratching, huh? Yeah, I approach my music like I make in the way that I like. I have a rap approach of making music, even when it's not rap music. Oh well, that well then well that's even better than what I was about to say because for. As long as I can remember, and I've been recording scratching, everybody wants like DJ Premier, like chorus scratch. They want, hey, take this sample of OC's voice from, you know, Word Life, scratch it, blah, blah, blah. And then they're just fine with anything. But like, whenever someone sends it back, it's like, okay, they actually care. Like, they they don't just want any random sound. Like, they actually care how it's supposed to sound on the record. And that happened in 2020 more than any year. So I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, because I know that you're capable of a lot of different styles of scratching. And, I appreciate that. Thanks. And if I have people work on my record, it's because I can't do the thing that I want, but I know what I want. And obviously, there's free reign to do that. I'm, I'm not like feeding you lines. I'm just like, hey, these are the sounds that I want. These are the kind of rhythms that I'm looking for. And I think by... By doing that, I think it created a really cool thing. I think what Thanks, you man. did on my record was really awesome. I, I do too. I, I yeah. I think there should be more. Uh, you know, shout out to DJ Disc who was kind of a unofficial Invisible Scratch pickle before they got like su- su- super famous. But DJ Disc is kind of the epitome of like ambient, where it's like he's he's worked with he was worked with Herbie Hancock, he's work he was in a group with Buckethead. Like he's 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 out there. I I I wish there'd be more folks who are kinda into the ambient. Not experimental, because plenty of scratching is experimental, but right. like the ambient weirdo stuff, I think DJ Disc is kind of the 
he does what I think a lot of folks, what a lot of, you know, people expected Kubert to do. But um, anyway, Anyways, now that I've nerded you know, out. There, no, like, whatever. There's like, there's different types of turntablism and all of it, as long as it's rooted in a love of the culture, there's no wrong way to do it. There's better ways to do it, right? There's like Definitely. ways. Definitely. But like... I'm not really into that elitism bullshit. That's why sure. I always say, like, I make the music I'm making right now is ambient film score, yada, yada. But sure. I always make sure to say I, I've been making rap music for 20 years. I've been making electronic music for 20 years. I'm not. Even if my music sounds pretentious, my approach to it is very earnest. And when I make my next record, which is tentatively titled Clouds, um, you will be on it again probably which is all to say that Hans Zimmer when he was doing his master class he's like playing the piano and he's like this note gives you this and this line is a question and this line is a specific question um, which I just thought was funny because we were just talking about intrigue and question and openings and um, as I, I've been I've been working on finding some figuring out how to finish this record i was looking at the mastering techniques of different philip glass records because he he's mm. definitely an inspiration i didn't realize that he scored all of the first few Candyman movies hell yeah dude Philip, they're, not, oh, they're man. not bad they're not bad at all yeah but it's not even that like i mean his shit goes to like you know cla- the classic Errol Dracula. Morris films. Yeah. Errol Morris films. Like they they, mm-hmm. they they've worked together quite a few times. So yeah, he's he's Yeah, he's but all like over Errol place. Morris is like a bona fide artistic director. I think the fact that that he's doing like quote unquote horror movies or whatever. Oh, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Cuz like while while we've said many times way before uh Key and Peele figured out that Candyman was a commentary on race, We've been talking about how Candyman is a good movie for a while. Um, sure, the first yes. one at least. Like, it's just no, the second good. one's pretty good. The second one's not bad. I think people get thrown off because it's like a different woman protagonist, so that like throws folks off. But like, you get you you get his backstory, and it's one of those things where like, well, we kind of knew what his backstory was. We don't need it. But I'm not gonna front, man. Candyman two is not is not that bad. Okay. I, I, I recommend, and it, it was also like it wasn't directed by Bernard Herman. This one, but Tony Todd's in it. It, okay. it actually maintains the tone of the first movie. Well, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it another chance, I, yeah. um, because oh, what was the director of Candyman? I'm sorry, Bernard Herman. Bernard Herman, because Ivan's Ecstasy, which you put me onto, was excellent. Whew, yeah, 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 yeah. And oh, I wasn't, wait, have it, you seen Kreutzer Sonata yet? No, uh, so. Wow. Oh man! So you sent me two. One I was not able to play on my DVD player. One, oh wait, you have my DVDs? No, I gave them back to you a long time ago. Oh right, okay. Oh that's right. The one of them, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Kruta Sonata is like a Canadian multi-region. Yeah. So deal. Sorry about that. Yeah. So Ivan's Ecstasy was fantastic, and I yeah. would have watched Cruiser Sonata because Ivan's Ecstasy is a brilliant use of digital cameras uh, acknowledging the limitations of it, not pretending to be anything other than it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, if I mean, you do, obviously. 
but I'm saying, because there was a time when we were living closer to each other that you lent me some really awesome DVDs, stuff that is not, you know, there is, even though I don't think it's that important to, to buy every single movie, there is a good reason if you're into physical media that when weird stuff shows up, to, to cop it, because like, yeah, I cannot find Ivan's Ecstasy. There's movies that you've had me re- review that no matter how hard I try, I can't, I just can't even like find a copy legitimately sure. without dropping cake. So yeah, sure. Ivan's Ecstasy, I would definitely check out, guys, if you can find it. And uh, we will get to the meat of this episode, but I... I miss you, man. So it's like nice to talk about stuff. Absolutely. And uh, oh, one one more, one more thing. Yeah, uh, like we were talking about how I was trying to find like Hourglass Sanitarium shows up on DVD every once in a while. Sure. But someone someone was very kind enough to send me some stuff, and right now Criterion is killing it. Um, I don't they know. Are. Especially the I mean, the Criterion Channel is if you have the Criterion Channel and HBO Max, you're chilling right now because HBO Max sure. is Turner Classic Movies, which which definitely meets meets the Venn diagram of some Criterion movies. But it has like it does. It has like the older movies, the noir movies, some classic seventies. Um, yeah, and then. HBO Max is just is just really killing it. I I feel like we'll probably talk about HBO Max a little bit, and I may talk a little bit about a little bit about um the Criterion Channel because I just watched Baccarat today. Oh, that's on the Criterion Channel. Yeah, it, came, it dropped on the Criterion like oh, a week ago. I guess that makes sense because it was like. Lincoln Center was pushing it, and I think they have some kind of connection. So I guess that all, ma- yeah, I guess that all makes sense. But the fact that on Criterion Collection One, like since they got, since they got attacked about not having enough black films, mm-hmm. uh, they have a new thing on Afrofuturism. So mm-hmm. they have Space is the Place, Ornette Made in America, which is not directed by a black person, but is directed by Shirley Clark, but is about a black. Um, Afrofuturist Ornette Coleman. So you got Space is a Place, you got Born in Flames, Brother from Another Planet, Welcome to the Terror Dome, Dark Matters. So uh, they're trying to make up for the fact that they were they were really um, not doing good by black directors and black stories. Sure. But the Afrofuturist, uh, it's really excellent. And there's like short films, long long form films. And again, some of the movies I just mentioned actually were not directed by black directors, but you know, they're black. Got to start they, somewhere. You got to do Yeah, you got to start something. somewhere and I think that's uh that's pretty cool. And there are some 2020 movies on Criterion Collection which are dope. And one more thing with with Brian Eno is that my new album is is very much in uh i got a lot of vibes from koyana scotsi oh wow dope well it's all good i mean you heard my album yeah no so, i'm just talking about the influences yeah i mean you know i mean i'm also influenced by you i'm influenced by the world i'm influenced by some good miso soup i don't know Word. so this episode is 
we're going to talk about our favorite top 10 movies of 2020. We're also going to do least favorite uh, honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, some of our popular, some of our popular um, things that we do is topics like why you did that for, and yeah. who be winning, and yeah. who be losing, and that was nice, and biggest disappointment, and biggest surprise, and don't do that. Yeah. And what you know, I was struggling with putting together some of this stuff for the episode because like. I literally don't have a number 10 sure. for my list of top 10 movies. I don't even know what to say when it comes to don't do that. I think I'll just riff off of what you have to say. Um, do you okay. want to, should we start with mentions? Yeah, I, I had a hard time whittling them down, but actually, I have I guess a I lot can, of you them. know what? I can just, you know, no, but I was going to say, I can just read them off, just off, off the top tier ones, because it breaks down, and I think that's enough, it's like 10, it's 10 top tier, so it's like, if I just go through them, then, you know, it's fine. Um, so, I'll start, yeah, you know what, I actually will start from top to bottom, even though to rank yeah. an honorable mention is a little arbitrary, but whatever. Yeah. Um, possessor. Um, freaky. So, oh, what? No, we can just, we can do, let's vibe off it. Oh, I, this will be like a three-hour show. We haven't even got to the to the top ones because it's like we can 10, do like we can do a couple mentions. sentences. Um, possessor, well, like yeah, yeah, possessor. Brendan Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son. His kind of sci-fi mind-body swap, uh, body horror, you know, film. That's uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I thought it was. Um, He's definitely, he, even with like his previous film, a- a- Antiviral, he definitely swings for the fences mm-hmm. in terms of like what he wants to accomplish, like what like on paper or like if he did an elevator pitch of his movies, I'd all yeah. be like, oh okay, I'm I'm in because Antiviral was about you know, if Antiviral movie came out in 2012 was about if you were so obsessed with your favorite celebrity, you could catch their sickness. Like if your celebrity favorite celebrity had a cold. You could get a cold with him, or or just take it up a notch. So I kind of I, I like his ideas. His ideas are also very much like his his dad's, but um yeah, Possessor. I I, I liked it. Yeah, I like Possessor just fine. I I have a couple like horror ish or horror adjacent movies in in my mentions. So mm-hmm. quickly I uh, will say, Blood Quantum, which mm-hmm. was a a native Canadian influenced zombie movie where like where native canadians and and native americans were immune from a zombie virus mm-hmm. oh wow you i thought you i i'm pretty sure you saw it because we talked about it but whatever cool. um I, I mean as, as you'll see throughout this episode there's some stuff that i have forgotten about right um especially i actually i i I took advantage of, of, of the free time that I, I once had by watching a lot of shit. So I... Yeah, I watched so much. So, yeah. Um, and then since since we're doing body horror, um, mm-hmm. I just watched Swallow. Okay, well, that's a crossover because that's on my honorable mention as well. Yeah, it's, it's like, so it's a non-supernatural body horror movie. 
and is fantastic. Breakout performance from the lead actress. Yeah, and it's also um, director's own words, although if you watch it, you wouldn't need to know this, but it was like he was half paying homage to Safe, as well as Safe's big influence, uh, Shanta Ackerman's Jean Delman. So it's kind of like, it makes a triptych of, uh, of films just kind of about the, the, the single, lonely housewife who there's things beneath the surface the more you keep watching like things seem kind of boring and dull but the more you hang out with this housewife the more you learn oh there's some stuff going on there's some wild shit and safe is actually a blind spot that's a if someone was gonna tag me when when twitter was doing name six movies you'd be surprised you ain't seen that was gonna be one of them because it's something that i've been meaning to see because i've been told by so many people that it's incredible but it's also upsetting it's a perfect movie as far okay. as I'm concerned, the movie's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm going to watch. I, I'm aware that it's a blind spot. Mm. And I just, yeah, so Swallow, um, Carlo Mirabella Davis starring Haley Bennett, breakout star. Yeah. And way better than I expected. And, and way better. It kept on, like when I first saw it, I was like, this. I don't like this that much. And then I was like, actually, I do like it. Same. Yeah. All right. Speaking of body horror, uh, Freaky is another movie that is on my uh, uh, honorable mention. I, you know, with the exception of a few things which I've brought up over the years on the podcast, it's like mm-hmm. two or three movies. I'll enjoy pretty much anything Vince Vaughn is in, and I thought Vince Vaughn did a really good job. Uh, um, so it, it, yeah, it was for, everything that I expected it to be. For the people that don't know, it's essentially a remake of Freaky Friday, except a violent movie, and Vince right. Vaughn uh, is a serial killer who inhabits the body of like a teenager. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and if it's if that sounds awesome to you, then it, it's going to be fun and awesome. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If it sounds oh, then it, it then then that that that's what it is. Exactly. So. Um, you know, did you ever end up seeing the Kevin James, um, like, no, skinhead no, movie? No, no, no. Damn. Speaking of, no. It was on my list to see a few months ago, and I just, I flaked on it. But, it's, yeah, it's I, on, I still want to see it. It's on my to-watch list, Becky. You know, mm-hmm. like, because you just keep on, tr- there's, this year was so much, and there were weeks where I would watch 12 movies a week. There were weeks where yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just been like some some fun ones that like came on came and went. Like, did you see Jujitsu? No, I didn't get to see that either. So Jujitsu is every few years an alien comes to the world to to have a fight with with humans to see if the world will stick will stay existing. And it's it's starring Tony Jaa, Frank Grillo, Nicolas Cage, and the guy who's been starring in the kickboxer remake movies, which are better than you may think, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on the show. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And then I also saw this Joe Mangianello movie called um, Arch Enemy, where he plays this drunk who may or may not have been a superhero in another dimension who mm. got sent mm. over here and is powerless. Mm-hmm. So these are movies that yeah. are fun. I'm sorry. I know I'm talking about a lot of movies, but uh, 
Yeah, no, that's why I, that's why I wanted to breeze through the uh, the, the honorable mention. We um, are breezing through okay. it. Yeah, I. Hmm. What else? What, what else well. we got? Oh, we can. Oh, oh. Well, yeah, we had a crossover of stuff. Um, oh, I gotta, I gotta shout out this film, uh, Albert Camus's um, Liberté. Um, it's like the movie Cruising, except it's set, you know, in the in the eighteen hundreds, and there's no serial killer. But um, or actually, it's more like Stranger. No, it, it's like Cruising. It, it's like the description I said. It, it's kind of this like. One night, it's this film. One night, a romp in the woods. Uh, it, it's it's both sexual freedom and sexual repression, uh, both at the same time. That 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 was my slogan all year. Like if I were to ever get, I wrote about it on Pinland Empire, hoping that hey, if someone were to snag my my quote and put it on a DVD, that 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 would be the the thing that they would put. And okay, yeah, Albert Sarah. Sarah, why did I say? Oh, can't. Oh, that's someone else. Yeah, Albert no, Sarah. Sorry, there. Like, Albert Camus made a movie because yeah, like, no, I don't know. I yeah, sorry. That's, no problem. That, that's, that that that's where I am. But. Okay, so then we got to go with Birds of Prey. Oh, that was on my honorable mention also. Fun action movie. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, blow the man down. Uh, I don't know that. Yeah, I, it's it's like this murder mystery set in New England. That's a lot of fun. Uh, two two women directors. It came out at the beginning of the pandemic. It's worth it's worth watching. Oh, okay. Oh, speak. Well, you just said pandemic, so I kind of got to. And we were also talking about horror films earlier too, but so a movie that kind of falls into both, but is a real documentary, uh, 76 Days. Um, I think this is kind of the only relevant uh, COVID-based film that's like, hey, this is about COVID and I don't roll my eyes at it. It, it. It's very good because there's not much of a, it's similar to that movie Leviathan that came out in 2012 that chronicles these like uh, fishermen who go like yeah. way out and sea and it just. There's that that is the plot. You just see these rainstorms. You see them nodding off to sleep. And seventy six days is about that. I mean, the movie it's not very long, and it just literally just opens up with these like first responders bursting through a hospital door, taking a patient in to get treated. You see, you know, th- this isn't spoiler because like we know, but it's just like oh, and the movie is set in China. It's about the very 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 early first wave of of, of COVID. Oh, and wow. uh yeah and 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 it just it does not hold back you see scenes of people who are like you know hey i'm sorry your loved one so and so has passed away and they still don't have all the info so it's like well, don't i get to say goodbye it's like no i'm sorry we we can't let 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 you in the room and like what do you mean and then it's that kind of stuff you know what i'm saying um okay and yeah. it's if you want to watch it you can support your local movie theater so for me there's a baltimore movie theater called parkway the SNF mm-hmm. Parkway Theater. So if you're in the Baltimore area, you can support the you know your local movie theater and watch it. Oh, that's oh oh good. Okay, so it's okay good good. So it's getting some good because I I know you can stream it at some movie theaters too. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I I sorry I meant I meant to say like the NYC theaters that I'm used to. So it's you good can. that like it, it's national. Uh, it's somewhere else. No. So what 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 theaters have been starting to do is they'll lease it to lots of theaters. So if you want to support, you know, 
a North Carolina movie theater because yeah, because I I mean who knows how many movie theaters are going to exist after all this, but man, but yeah, movie theaters in smaller towns, art house theaters in Phoenix, I'm more worried about. Not to say not to worry, but I mean, like Film Forum might be okay because it's a nonprofit, but right. Same know, with like then yeah, same with like anthology film archives, uh, probably then also. But like it's, the it's Downing Film Center in Newburgh, New York, probably needs the yeah. twelve bucks more. Damn, I mean the town of Newburgh period needs it. So the fact that oh man, now I'm getting sad. Uh, but no, yeah. but you yeah, can. You're, you're uh, absolutely right. Newburgh is is an area that I wouldn't say gentrified, but you could turn into a nice area. There's beautiful houses. There's Metro a lot North. of culture. That's something I'd like to discuss more. Like the like how to like. How to move into a neighborhood in a way that helps it doesn't screw it over. Seriously, especially Cold Spring. You know, near it's near Dia Beacon. Mm-hmm. You got the Metro North, so you're like, you know, not that far from the city. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's, there's potential there. But or yeah, like so. weird cities. You ever been to Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania? No. It's like this weird place that that me and an ex found by accident. We were staying in in a random place in Pennsylvania, and oh. it was like. It was like destroyed, like the first depression kind of messed it up and it never sort of made up from it. But there was an incredible record store there, mm-hmm. like in the basement of a flea market. Mm-hmm. And there's like one movie that ever was made there and it was called One Last Thing, which is a forgettable movie about, which is actually very similar to a meme you sent me today where someone who's dying of a brain tumor wants to go on a date with a supermodel. Yeah. yeah. Starring Cynthia Nixon and Gina Gershon. Mm-hmm. And that's similar to a meme you sent me, which I'm not sure is true or not. Okay, what else? Um, another movie that, that falls into this zeitgeist, but accidentally, is Amy Simon's She Dies Tomorrow. Mm, okay, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, Five Blood, Spike Lee, fun movie. Okay. I don't know if that's on your mentions. No, un- un- unfortunately not. But um, I we may bring that up towards the end. Um, oh, an- another okay. another important movie on my honorable mention. It uh, it was one of those things where it's like I think it's better than honorable mention but it's not necessarily one of the top movies of the year it's almost in a category of of its own recorder the marion stokes project um i think it was a pbs film it's it's a great documentary this 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 archivist uh essentially this woman marion stokes she she had vcrs and she recorded what was on television for 20 24 hours a day from 1975 to 2012 holy shit and it was also it it, 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 it I, I shouldn't just cheapen her intent her by her own words. It wasn't necessarily just archiving. She was it was her form of activism where she was just trying to she said she was seeking the truth. So her and like her family helped her out. Like her, you know, she talks about um her husband would help her, they'd go out to dinner and you know, she'd be like, Oh, we only have this type of VHS tape in, in the VCR, we gotta hurry up and, and rush back home. Um, and it was this thing that, it, and, and what she had been doing had been getting news and it was bubbling o- o- over the last few de- 
dec- decades. But late last year, the movie did the festival circuit. It came out this year. Um, and it's actually pretty easy to, to seek out. So Recorder, the Marion Stokes Project. Yeah, and there's ways to watch PBS movies. Like if you're part of an, if you're, there's ways to see it where you can still support, um, mm-hmm. where you can still support and not take away from what what things are going. And okay, one two sentences. Big time adolescence. Pete Davidson. It came and went, but I enjoyed it. It's a mention. After midnight. The what's, weird what, ass, what, what's, that what's weird that? ass romantic comedy horror I, I made you watch. Oh, that yeah, 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 sure. Damn, see, I forgot until you just said that. I, I forgot about it, but yeah. But I really enjoyed it, Shit. so I think it's worth mentioning. You know, I sure. use mentions for movies that are more bizarre, that are that are worthy of a checkout, but not necessarily essential. Sure. Sure. Um, but then, like, if there was an 11th movie, uh, Sound of Metal. Okay. Oh, I thought that would be a little higher. All right. Okay. I don't know. It's I don't know. Because what I like about it is the conversations I had about it. I don't know if I would ever watch the movie again. Sure. Uh, I, that, that, that I completely understand. Even though I do watch movies... Really, only once usually, but yeah, Darius Martyrs, Sound of Metal. I'm trying to think. Uh, I have two more in my mentions. What about you? I got two more too. Uh, Lovers Rock, and I just think throughout uh, this episode we'll get into small acts more. So I'll just. Oh yeah. But I'll be real quick. Whatever. L- 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 Lovers Rock. It's the Caribbean house party, and we also did a whole episode on small acts. So uh, just this past episode, and then. Finally, uh, finishing out my honorable mentions, uh, the Soviet uh, film Beanpole. Um, oh, I heard good things about that. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot going on in that film, but essentially part of it is just uh, hmm, a woman's loneliness, her trying to get pregnant, or, well, not necessarily trying to get pregnant. Um, but it's definitely... Um, it's, it's, it's a film I'm mad, I, I missed because it played at TIFF last year, and I was just like, eh. And then, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, actually. Um, last year, it was just me and uh, Pink Smoke member John Cribbs who went to TIFF, and he saw it, and, you know, John Cribbs is a guy that knows my taste in movies pretty much, and he was just kind of like, without mm-hmm. assuming I saw it, he's like, so, what'd you think of Beanpole? And I was like, oh, I just skipped it. And he was like, really? It's totally up up, up your lane. And I was like, oh, damn, I missed it. So I got to see it this year. Again, this was another movie that, actually, I think it is still streaming. Uh, hold on. Let me, let me before I put put my foot in my mouth, but Beanpole is, 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 finishes out my, uh, my, my honorable mention. But I want to say film form or moving image. It's on movie. If you have movie. Oh, okay. Or movie. Okay, cool. Um, so... Yeah. You know, I'm not really into monopolies, but it, but there are becoming so many streaming services. Yeah, there are. So, for me, I don't have TV, so even if I spend 50 bucks on a couple things, it's not so bad, but it definitely ends up, but movie movie is great. It so, is. Yeah. Oh, but it leaves movies soon, so I would I would look into it. Uh, this looks like I'd really like it. 
Which also yeah. reminds me, I tried really hard, but I never got I never got a chance to watch any of the films of Ilya Krzyzewski's Dow project, where he created oh right yeah that yeah, gigantic yeah. LARP in yeah. for years <laughs> and then made yeah. movies about it. Yeah, I there were a couple that came out this year. Friend of the show who's been really amazing this year, Carlo. Oh yeah had was like telling me about it but no one has really said i don't know if the movies are good i just think it's the coolest freaking idea yeah sure but these like three hour super slow movies that i can't necessarily get anyone to watch with me are harder for me to get to Mm -hmm. um and then i have lil peep everybody's everything oh right yeah which I just thought was a really fantastic documentary executive produced by Terrence Malick about mm-hmm. Lil Peep. And I just thought they handled it really well. And the last mention, which I have a feeling is going to make your top 10, it will be Another Round. Damn right. Which is uh, Thomas Vinderberg's new movie starring Mads Mikkelsen where a bunch of friends who are unhappy with their life so they so they start being like let's just drink a little bit to see if our life gets better and then in the hands of a of a more childish director it would be a childish movie but it is not I, I, I said look nothing against his movies, because I like some of them, but it totally would have been like an Adam Sandler movie. Like, what happens when these four teachers get together and get drunk? Like, that's yeah. kind of how, you know, but but again, respect to Adam Sandler, just saying. Right. I like Adam Sandler. He was yeah. he was in he was in a couple he was in a movie that was in our top 10 last year. Yeah. And um, like Hoobie Halloween was cute. Sure. Sure. That's it. I mean, cute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, or as, as I was saying that, that another round is like clown if it was a serious movie. Yeah, very much so. Okay. So, shall we get to, to the, to the list? Yeah. So I've got two ways to do it. I did a one through 10, but in certain numbers, I combine a couple of movies, Uh um, just to keep it 10, but I technically, I have a top 14 of 2020, which is kind of cool because it just shows that. Even though theaters were closed and it was a crappy year, you know, I always kind of scoff at Facebook posts or Twitter posts or even articles about how, oh, it's a terrible year for movies. Like, no, I I, I disagree. But um, I guess I'll start from the bottom and just go to the top. Yeah, that's usually Um, how we do it. So at 10, I have two films. I have uh, Dan Salat's 14, um, which is uh, a film about... Friendship and when close when close friends kind of separate over the years into young adulthood, uh, very relatable. Uh, we got some good news for it. We're gonna have we're gonna be getting into that movie more in a future episode. But um, that that ten spot also uh, shares with um, Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, uh, based on the book of the same name. Where Frances McDormand, she plays the character Fern, or the woman, rather, Fern, who's kind of, uh, as the title would imply, she's a nomad, but it's not just her. She lives in this nomadic community of kind of Airstreamers and RV people who go from kind of temporary gig jobs 
one to, to the next, but they all kind of do their thing together. They they have a food system, uh, sleeping, all all, all kind of stuff. It, it's like a little traveling nomad community. Yeah, I mean, I love I love Chloe Zhao, the the writer. the The more I think about it, the closer it was to one of my favorite movies of the year came out. Mm-hmm. I I I hope she does. I hope Marvel is happy with. You know what what she does, and I would have watched Nomadland, but it was I. It's not streamable, and it's not something I wanna I wanna support it. So it will be streaming eventually. So it's getting a wide release fe- February. What they did, they did kind of the slick thing where like earlier, not too long ago this year, they did like a quick one week general ish release, so it could be eligible for award season. Um, Mm-hmm. And then it just stopped being available. I, I was lucky enough to see it at Toronto, but um, yeah. And uh, so what, I have so what, I have oh, no sorry. comment about the movie fourteen as of now. Sure, sure. We're gonna get into it uh, in a future episode, like like, like I said, which I'm very much look, and looking forward maybe to. Maybe later on this list. Okay, nice. Um. So. Nice. Um, so that that's your number ten. Yeah, those two movies are my number ten. Yeah. All right. So, I don't have a number ten. Okay. What's your? Uh, so let's go to your nine. My number nine is is a tie mm-hmm. between the last thing he wanted by D. Reese. Okay. Which I'm aware. I may be the only person who liked this movie. Sure. And I'm okay with that. It just it just is it just is what it is. Um I just thought I just thought it was a really weird lyrical telling of a weird lyrical Joan Didion book. You mm. you just feel like a fever dream. And I liked it, and then, and then also, I another movie that I decided to put on number nine is Deck Collectors, the sequel to Deck Collector. Oh, cool! From Jesse V. Johnson, mm-hmm. and because I like to always throw in a direct-to-video action movie that I enjoy, it's another one that, while Marcus's idea of what the sequel should have been could have been better, could have been more interesting. I just thought it was great, and that's what I got to say. Yeah, I, I like Debt Collectors. Um, yeah, I like that movie a lot, actually. So that's, and, that's oh, my oh, number nine. I have to and say, yes, cause, cause, and oh, yes, I could have made, I could have separated those as number ten, but I wanted to point out like this was a weird year. Sure, this is a yeah, this is a very strange year. I you know. So much so. So speaking of strange, you know, it's funny. You know, Scott, earlier with the last thing he wanted, you were like, oh, I know I'm probably the only person that, you know, likes this movie. And you're probably true. But I will say since, you know, I guess early pandemic up until now, every once in a while, I will think about the fact that even though I did not like that movie at all, your pairing of that and Claire Denise, The Intruder, actually does make a lot of sense. Thank you. Um, I, we're we're kind of, I mean, to some degree, we're, we're repeating. We had a whole ep- uh, an, an episode on this, but 
you yeah, know, I, I can't no. stress enough for, for those of you who love Claire Denis, and I know I know quite a few people who haven't even bothered to see the last thing you wanted, just based off of its early, early re- re- reputation. So if if you're familiar with Claire Denis, The Intruder, this movie does kind of make sense, uh, right? And as also, like a double bill, it it, it does. If you go into the movie being like, yo, sometimes Scott likes some weird-ass movies. I know that Scott's not recommending that this is a brilliant joint. Mm-hmm. Let's see what's going on. You might have fun. I really liked it. I really do. I watched it more than once. I don't watch movies that often more than once. And um, I'm sorry, Claire Denis movie Intruder is really excellent. And I they do pair well. Now, is The Intruder a movie I'd rather watch? Yes. In fact, y'all should also watch The Intruder by Claire Denis. It's great. Yeah. And buy the the we'll buy that whole film score series, but that soundtrack in particular I think is some of uh it's actually not all the tinder sticks that that particular score. I think it's just Stuart Staples and like one other guy, but whatever. The and, the score for for The Intruder is so great. That might be foreshadowing of something that I'm going to talk about later. Oh shoot! Okay. Um, Though all right, Claire, damn. Gen- Claire Denis did not come out with the movie this year. She didn't. But it's all good. She she killed it last year. She That's she, she could take a year off. All right. What do you what do you got for? What do you yeah. got for uh, so num- number eight? Oh no! This is my number nine because you you oh, had it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So my note number nine, it's another split thing. It's between uh, Quentin Dupieux, a.k.a. Mr. Oizo's uh, deer skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of his Twin Peaks. It, it's kind of, you know, it's like a movie in the, about this kind of uh, narcissistic filmmaker who's trying to get a film made. And then just other weird things happen. Like going back to my, to my, to my Twin Peaks uh, thing. If it, again... This is one of those things where it's like, uh, well, not again, but if, if you like Quentin Dupuis' other movies like Rubber, um, Wrong Cops. Actually, this movie, to some degree, is more akin to Rubber than any of his other films because he goes back to the idea of like an inanimate object being a menace. So in Rubber, it's a rubber tire, whereas in Deerskin, it's a leather coat. Um, this time the coat talks. And I'll just say, I'll say, I'll say no more. I think I was cryptic enough where if you haven't heard of Deerskin and you just heard that description, it's like, whoa, a talking coat, Twin Peaks, Mr. Oizo, what is this about? So I, I think I just did a good job at selling that. Um, and I share that Deerskin shares this spot with uh, Kitao Sakurai. I hope I said his name uh, correctly. Uh, Bad Trip, the Eric Andre Low Rel Tiffany Haddish Road movie, Bad Trip. Um, part nope. fiction, part prank movie. Uh, but um, it's kind of a, a, an, an updated Dumb and Dumber where Eric Andre plays this guy who he wants to go. He dri- he gets his friend to get his to take his his uh, sister's car to drive cross country so he can you know confess his love to this woman that he has this huge crush on and hilarity ensues from Florida up up to New York. So. No comment. Sure. Okay. Well, what then? So so what's your number eight? My number eight is Abba Makamba's excellent Lost Okoroshi, a Nigerian cosmic superhero comedy. Mm -hmm. And we had Abba Makamba on the show. He's like 
if he lived in he lived near us, we'd be homies. Like Yeah, we definitely would. Like you could just hear like us talking, we're talking about MF Doom, J Electronica, Jung, yeah. Brasson. Ghost Dog. Yeah. yeah. All this dope shit. Yeah. So Well, I get well, I guess it's cool. You you, you kinda beat beat me to it. Mine is like a, I have that on my list a couple of notches up. We'll we'll get to that. But yeah, th- this is a movie I've been championing for like what seems like forever, because I saw it, you know, two years ago, it didn't come out, but then it finally came out on Netflix, and, you know, it's one of those things, too, I do, I have to tell people a lot, I, I, actually, just today, uh, I, I get tagged on Twitter a lot when someone has checked out Lost Okoroshi, this is how much I've been talking about it on social media for, like, almost two years, someone will tag me and be like, hey, I just saw it, Penland Empire, thanks, uh, this is so great, and then it got to the point where I just have to tell some people, like, hey, I didn't direct the movie, just so you know. As a matter of fact, the director's on Twitter, and he's active on it. You should may- maybe tag him. Give give give, give him a shout-out. I, I, I appreciate putting folks on the movies, but it, it started to get to the point where I was, like, solely associated with this movie. Like, I actually had something to do with the making of it. Right, so like, just, when, you know. when people would say, like, Quentin Tarantino directed Hero. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that... Annoying lady tried to talk down to me at the video store. But, I love, uh, I love anyway. your, I love your video store stories. There's hopefully, the, I'll have a good alley oop uh, for future for future episodes because I haven't gotten into some like some nasty ones. And I some, still love some volatile we had, ones. We had Amanda Mass Liberty, and you told the <laughs> Catwoman story. You laughed with your whole body on that, which I get. I just wish you could see like. The guy, I don't even need to describe him, but you know exactly how he looks. Yes. He, you you already know how he looks, but you know, he, I, I do wish I kept that post-it note, that <laughs> maniacal post-it. I, oh, let me not say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because that was very nice. He didn't have to do that. You wrote was, me a nice yeah, note. Yeah. Well, just tell the story again, please. Uh, yeah. It was leading into Christmas time. I was working at this video store, uh, Tommy K's, um, the Milford location, and this tall, kind of lurch-looking guy is just kind of moping around the store. Um, and he just strikes up a conversation with me. He's just like, oh, man, I see you got this great sale going on. Um, I see you got a bunch of Catwoman used DVDs. Uh, I'd, I'd love to get it. It's like, but uh, I don't get paid till Friday. So, And it was, it, it's like when you're a kid and you ask one of your parents for money and you do it in this indirect way. Like, that's what he was doing. And he was kind of like looking at me at the side of his face. He was just like, I don't get paid, but you probably won't set one aside for me. Like, he was really laying it in. And then I was just like, sir, do you want me to... We have a lot. I, I can set one aside. And he just like... He was hunched over this whole time. And then like he straightened his body up. His eyes got big. He looked at me. He was just like, really? You would do that for me? Oh, man. Thanks. And I was like, look, I'll do it right now. Watch, watch me do it. So I took it. I put it behind the counter. And then I didn't work... On Friday, I didn't work, and then I came in, I guess it was either Saturday or Sunday, the next day I came in, and then both people behind the counter were just like, hey, Marcus, did you leave Catwoman, the Catwoman DVD behind for some guy? And I was just like, yeah, he was like, really happy, he was very appreciative, he left you this little post-it note, and it was a little post-it note, and I thought it just said thank you, but it was, I couldn't really read it, it was literally a post, a yellow post-it note covered top to bottom in just very tiny writing, and I, and I I got the gist of some of the words. It was like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. But it was really like, not one of the mini post-it notes either. I'm talking about one of the square, bigger post-it notes. 
and he wrote me this nice thank you that uh I couldn't fully read it, but um yeah. So I hope that guy enjoyed his his his, his Catwoman movie. I think he did. I'm sure he did. He better have. So shout out to him. Shout out to Tommy Case. I had a lot a lot of cool uh memories at that place. I still keep in touch with some of my coworkers there. All right. So what are we so then it's your turn for seven. Oh, no, my my number eight. Oh, oh! You know what? You know what? Make this easy. So I'm, I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna do my eight and my seven next, and then that way you can go right because my seven will go quick, and 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 you'll see why. So for number eight, th- this is the last. Uh, oh, I'm lying. Anyway, one of the last shared spots for number eight. Uh, it's Frederick Wiseman's City Hall. Where he documents... Uh, I tried peri- to watch that, but yeah. that was 10 hours long. I will watch it eventually, but... Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 it's a long one. But most uh, Frederick Wiseman films are long. It's just about this particular... Uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was 2017, 2018. He kind of chronicles uh, Boston and the greater Boston area. Um, just seeing how small, smaller politics work. And I think what I love about City, City Hall so much is the fact that, like, he didn't just stick in Boston because, you know, Boston is a small city. A lot of times someone can be from, and I'm about to name some of the places that we see in this film, but, like, Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan, Cambridge. A lot of times, not always, but some people who are from those areas will just say Boston because Massachusetts in general is such a small place that, like, I'm from the opposite side of the state, and people go, oh, you're from Boston. It's just like, no. But, um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit, even the mundane parts. Uh, There is, speaking of what I just previously said, Scott, if I could just get you to fast forward, I'll I'll try to find a timestamp, but there's, like, the equivalent of, like, the Tommy K's Catwoman guy in uh, City Hall. So and I'm and I'm assuming you didn't get there yet because when I saw it I, I was like not. oh Scott needs to see this at least this these few minutes of of this movie because it's very hilarious and sad at the same time and I'll just say I'll say no more it's it, it is it is yeah yeah and uh, oh and I thought it was fitting to share uh, City Hall with uh, Steve McQueen's Education from the uh, Small Axe series. and that's which number. This is eight. No, just say that it's number seven. No, no, no. I ha- no, 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 because I have a number seven. Right, but just say that it's number seven. Oh, fine. It, it's number seven. And then you can you can tie number seven. Fine, and I'll tie it in with uh, Abba Makama's Lost Okoroshi for my actual number seven, but not really. Because guess what my number seven is? What is your number seven? Education by Steve oh, McQueen. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, because I was struggling. You know, there the peaks, there are peaks and valleys of Steve McQueen's small acts. Yes. And some some of the films are more enjoyable than others. And this I was very frustrated with one of them, which I have a feeling we will talk about later. And there was there was one that was like fun, Mongrove, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. there was one that was like <laughs> it's funny you call that movie fun. <laughs> that sounds so weird. But 
I, th- I think I get which. I, actually, I don't know what you mean, but fun, you're fun just is, you're trying to say something way, nice. About fun it. is a way for me to say a movie is good, not great, <laughs> not bad. I don't know. That's so funny. Yeah, you're making it a thing. No, I am because my mind went to a messed up place. I pictured you as, you're as right. one of the, the cops. I pictured you I mean, as one of the bobbies in in Mangrove, like busting up the restaurant, but like happy about it. Sorry. I mean, Sorry. That that character probably was happy. Yeah, he was. But there is joy during the scenes of parties, and you're right. It's not a fun movie, but it, no, was, no, it was it was good. And sure. Alex Weedle was good, and there was one that I didn't like, and then Lovers Rock was pretty good, but oh, Education yeah. was beautiful, man. Yeah, it was. It was, and I, I you know. My dad would have loved that one particular because he, my dad, who I guess he, he he was a teacher for a little bit, but he was very much invested in like how children, specifically black children, are taught in the American school system. So that movie's kind of somewhat up up his alley. It's not the American school system, but it's still black children in a predominantly white system. So yeah, it, it would have definitely he would have loved that movie. And if you want to know more about it, we recorded an episode about Small Axe last week. Yeah. But yeah. in short, it's about the disenfranchisement of black Caribbean children in England many years ago. Yeah. Um, and do you, would you like to talk a little more about Abu Makaba's Lost Okoroshi? No, because you said it and I, I, I said what I needed to say. About like at this point, and this is no offense. It's like, what else can specifically me can I say about that movie? So, it's great. It's one of the best movies of the year. That makes so. me happy. Yeah. All right. So then let's go to number six. I got the uh, semi-autobiographical. Uh, film Tommaso and semi-autobiographical uh, with Abel Ferrara as well as Willem Dafoe. Um, and it just depends on which elements we're, we're talking about where we have this a, la- a film about a director in a later life crisis. Not not necessarily midlife, but like later life crisis. Um, it's it's this, this new Abel Ferrara style, new-ish Abel Ferrara style. I'm, I'm digging very, very much it's 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 a total like American in Europe kind of feel where it's like the movie is very I mean it is it's a European film but from the lens of from the perspective of someone who is American and from two Americans from two Americans who yes, are both yes. living versions of the lives that their characters are are working in and oh we he, he, I'm sure we'll have him on the show one day uh stand-up comedian Peter Guarici, who's had me on his podcast twice. He's been a big Zebra supporter. I don't want to go into it because this is a whole... I mean, there's books have been written on this, but he was he's Italian-American, and he was just saying the relationship between Italian-Americans and Italians is very interesting and com- complex as well, which I imagine is true, just like the relationship between African-Americans and Africans can be complicated, you know, so it's it, 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 it got me to thinking, and this is a movie that's kind of lingered on my mind the entire time so much so that it's like also you know long before Quentin Tarantino you know when he came out with you know between Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown he got compared to 
Scorsese a lot, but, you know, Abel Ferrara kind of crawled so Tarantino could walk to, to some mm-hmm. degree. And it's interesting that after just decades, I mean, what, four decades of Abel Ferrara being compared to Scorsese, 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 that the there's a, a huge moment in Tommaso where he's just like, all right, you want to compare me to Scorsese? Fine, here. And that, like that's what that scene felt like. Mm-hmm. And I can't say because I, I, I don't want to, I literally don't want to spoil it, but yeah. 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 Also, guess what my number six is? What is your number six? Tommaso by Abel Ferrara. Oh, get the F out of here. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Because it, because nice. I really, yeah, it, I just thought it was dope. Like, yeah, Abel Ferrara has Willem Dafoe play an analog of Abel Ferrara and Willem Dafoe, who yeah. are, American dramatists who both could have well Willem Dafoe was able to snap back from the the controversy of The Last Temptation of Christ but he's a guy who probably could have had a different trajectory if it wasn't for those sort of things but sure. now he's a well-respected actor uh, and he's living he does power yoga his character does power yoga He's living in Italy with, and the characters living in Italy with the young child played by Abel Ferreira's new child. Yeah. And you realize sort of into the movie that there's some unreliable narration going on. Yep. And I just think, you know, Abel Ferreira, just like you were saying, like, in my opinion, is as good as a Quentin Tarantino, if not better. Um, sure. Absolutely. Actually, better because I don't. I mean, Quintantino's not untalented. I just don't. No, really hell like, no. Of course not. Of course not. I just his movies just don't do it for me. And his, he's my Eminem, where it's exactly just like you're saying. His art doesn't do it for me, and his fans can kind of be annoying. His fans are his fans are are some, quite some annoying fans. because like if I'm if I say at a party like I didn't like, you know, the Hateful Eight or. I mean, Hateful Eight is the le- is is one of the least egregious of the ones that I don't like because I'm just like this is not this is like whatever, but like, um, huh. I what's the Nazi one? Oh, Inglorious Bastards. Like I really dislike that movie. Yeah. And I also really dislike Django Unchained. And yeah. And to be told you're wrong, you're crazy, you're an idiot. You're a hater without asking like why I felt that way. Seriously, yeah, yeah. We're like Abel Ferrara definitely has a lot of misses, but he's been trying. He has hits, and he has good movies in every decade he's worked. Absolutely, and he's approaching seventy, and he's still like trying new stuff. You know, I think that's really awesome. You know. Yeah, so I was surprised with that movie, and I just think that's Abel Ferrara has begrudgingly accepted his station and is making art that's do that's dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. So that's how I feel about it. Or that's kind of how I feel about it too. All right. So what's your number five? My number five, this is the last of the pairing of, of movies in, in, in one slot. But this goes perfect because these are like my two favorite avant-garde films of the year. They were both put out by the same, uh, I think, studio, by TIFF Wavelengths. They're, 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 um, they release films that are kind of like 
fiction, not nonfiction, but just very off experimental, off center, whatever. So the first one is Fauna um, by Nicholas uh, Pareda. He's um, kind of he splits his time between Canada and Mexico. Uh, this is a Mexican film that is it's really cool. Uh, if, if you have the patience for it, it is seemingly just about <clears throat> a little bit of a family reunion, and not much else happens. But then, if you do like I did, I read about it, and it's just like, this movie was cool, but what, what, I think there's something more. So I read what I could about it, and then when you read that this film, it is about the uh, romanticization of Mexican drug culture from the, from the perspective of, like, actual Mexicans, you kind of go, oh, so that, oh, I get it. Oh, that's, that, this is kind of neat, actually. It, it's, it's, um, so, so, so I dig that, um. So that's Fauna, and mm-hmm. it shares this spot with uh, Ephraim Asili, uh, who is a friend to, close friend to the show, and Tumay Gant. Uh, his film, it's a docu-fiction hybrid called The Inheritance, where it just deals with kind of like modern day, it, it deals with black art and black artists, uh, gentrification of Philadelphia, the uh, remnants of the move movement, and it's also kind of like theater. It's it, it's it's almost like Dogville kind of meets like the Move movement what? in Philadelphia. Yo, I'm telling you, this thing is uh, yeah, yo, I'm it's yeah. And he he's actually another guy who we're gonna get uh, to do the show uh, in 2021 at some point. So I'll Nicholas definitely get your screener for that. No, no, no. N- Nicholas Pereira directed Fauna. This movie called The Inheritance, the one that I'm talking about now, is directed oh. by Ephraim Asili. Yeah. Oh yeah, I heard about The Inheritance. I, it's I can't find it. I, I yeah, want... yeah. I think it just was. I it was streaming and yeah, now it's not. It's not but anymore. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's something. It's, it's almost those... indescribable. It's one of those movies that I really wanted to watch, and yeah. it just oh yeah, it came and went before I had a chance to watch sure. it. Sure, yeah, and that's just how that's just how it is. There, yeah, there's a bunch of joints that I totally wanted to see. Like, oh man, yeah. Johan Johansson first and only movie because he passed away. Oh, that's right. He made a movie that I heard was excellent, but can't really watch it. Um, like, I only was able to get access to Kill It and Leave This Town, like, yesterday. Mm. I heard that was really dope. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just been, it's just been hard to find, you know, good stuff. Like, the, like, because the weird art stuff didn't know what to do. Like, they wanted to make sure that they made a little bit of money, but then, you know, stuff comes out and you're like, wait. How do I even watch this? Yeah, right. Yeah. Because you're not the only person who's been telling me about The Inheritance. I've read a lot about it. It is and something. I, yeah. And I just never, like, just, like, can't find it. You know what? It, it also kind of, not exactly reminds me, but it, it's also in the same, it's also in a lane created by, did you ever, because Mtume mentioned it, wow, a long time ago, on Zebra's uh, Ashes and Embers. Oh, I've heard good things, but the thing is, uh, Ashes and Embers, uh-huh. you can, I believe you can watch. No, 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 I, I, it's not about accessibility, no, what I'm saying, oh, well, yeah, you should see it if you haven't, I'm just saying The Inheritance is very much in the vein of that film, to, oh. to some degree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something. Ashes and Embers, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
Did, were you ever able to find uh, the wanting mayor? No. I think because um, what's his face like literally canceled himself, and he he produced that movie. Maybe it fell into obscurity. What Shane Carruth? Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. Yeah, right. Let me just double check because I don't want to. Like, I mean, Shane Carruth. He did that too. Like, yeah, that was yeah, he did. That was a wild move, that I can't even tell. Like, if he was, if he did that on purpose or not. Yeah, I don't know. It, it lasted for days. It just it was timed in a really fucked up way. Um, yeah. So. But yeah, but that's my number five, the inheritance and fauna. And and let me also just state too that these are at the top of my list. Whatever, they're they're in the top half. These are the kind of films, for the most part, that no one is going to go into them blind. So I don't really, I'm not too insecure about recommending them. Like these are films that are like speak to like a specific lane. Like this isn't these aren't films that are just like. You know, oh, stream on you know HBO Max or YouTube. Like, like it, it's made for a specific audience. So, I yeah, think, I mean, I that's, think that's important that's, to say about these two movies specifically. Right, because as I'm saying, I believe you can see fauna, but mm, I'm okay. But like the inheritance, you cannot watch right now, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm really annoyed that that I missed it. Just like there's this movie, Salacia that I really wanted to watch and that also came and went and now with these like with art films I don't they don't know what to do now after they did streaming for like to pay yeah yeah true and I don't I don't want to like again like I don't movies that are in print I don't want to go about other means of watching the movie you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I want to support. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fauna is not streaming right now. But mm-hmm. I'm sure it will. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this this is the only movie in my top five that is, like, might be surprising. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Because I know, I know you hated this movie. Uh oh, or dislike this movie. I think is a stronger. Um, oh, oh, I, I, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Oh, w- which one is it? No, you, you, you say it. No, it's exactly fun. This is, is fun for me. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Correct. Yes, yeah. thinking of ending things by Charlie Kaufman, mm-hmm. the play esque um, mind fuck of a of of a of a film that shows. Both Charlie Kaufman's love of plays and figuring out how to work that into his oeuvre in a way that I think makes a little more sense. Yeah. Because obviously Synecdoche, New York, which is also like that's objectively about plays where this one just has a vibe of a play and but unreliable narration and and musical numbers and Jesse Plemons who's just a breakout star and yeah when yes. you know 
I'm hearing really great things about Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by our friend Shaka King, mm-hmm. who I believe will be on the show sooner to the release of his movie, which was just announced for a February release date on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So, as I'm sure a lot of you know, HBO Max and Warner Brothers made a deal that not apparently not every director knew about that. Right. All of, all of <laughs> their, too. all of Warner Brothers movies next year will be on HBO Max and theaters the same day. Mm-hmm. And some directors did not know about it. Yep. And Wonder Woman 2 was ass. It was hot, hot ass. I was like, like, you, like I was really looking forward to what it. I don't think you were looking forward to it, but... I wasn't not. It was just right. like, sure. I mean, because... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman. I saw, you know, so I saw that in the theater. So it was like, why? Let's see where the second one goes. It wasn't like excited, but I wasn't not. And it just, it was, <clears throat> it was something. Although, yeah. shout out to, so what, 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 what's, uh, what's his name? The, the, the male villain. So the villains. He, he so, went low key Raul Julia in Street Fighter in, in, in certain moments. So I kind of respect that. But overall, wow. but, but, but that, but that don't explain the. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like later on in the movie, the more sicker he was getting, it was just like. It's almost like he could tell what the hell is this movie. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna dedicate this performance to Raul Julia as is M. that Pe- uh, and Pedro just go Pascal? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, so that, yeah, that's the, his name. This is this is the thing. Um, Pedro Pascal's character mm-hmm. was bad, and and the movie I didn't really care for. The only mm-hmm. thing I thought that they did really well was selling Kristen Wiig as a bad guy. Like they did that shit, huh? Uh, okay. I mean, in my opinion, they sure, were able no, to no, make no. like someone who's known as a comedic actor to be like strong and powerful and sensual. Yeah. And the special effects for later in the movie leave some to be desired. But I'm going. I'm going way off topic. Yeah, way off. <laughs> Which you know, to be fair, zebras does. Um, thinking of any things Charlie Kaufman I thought is excellent and yeah you didn't really care for it I didn't Um, uh, but for personal reasons it's not it's not it's not a like hey everyone you should think like this it was more like Marcus personally you know and and I think I said when we talked about on, on the episode that perhaps there is a positive to this, the fact that it would it would a movie like that would have such a visceral reaction from someone. I know this is such a cliche thing to say, but it, it does it it, it, it it matters. These things matter. So for someone to dislike it so much to have not the nicest things to say, I think that I think that matters. I think that, that, that holds some weight. It's not like this movie is stupid next, like I, I wanted to go out of my way to say some very critical things of it, so that so that matters. You know, it's not like this movie, it's not like this is like a perfect movie or the subject matter is perfect or it's nice and neat. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a movie about this guy who's dating this new girl, goes to his parents' house, and then you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And, you know, I was having a nice conversation with a listener of the show about how, like, 
I have to accept that I, I like Charlie Kaufman. Sure. I just do. And and I like I was like, does this make me basic, or does this just mean that I like what I like? And, no, it means you like what you like. And yeah, I just like thinking of anything is depressing and dense and has like Stephen Sondheim means Samuel Beckett vibes and yeah, and you could just you could just tell that Charlie Kaufman's a huge theater nerd, and I'm here sure. for it. Sure. Fair enough. Um, what's your what's your uh, where are you at? My number four is Bruno Dumont's Joan of Arc. That's my number four, motherfucker. Wow, you know, I did. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is Scott's uh, his number four. Oh, wow, that's really cool. We should did you say your number together. five? Yeah, my number five was the Inheritance slash Fauna. Okay, dope. Yeah, it's not so Joan fauna. Of, yeah, huh? It's not Fauna. No, I thought it was Fauna, like you would say, like like a Spanish pronunciation. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but um. So Joan of Arc, it, it's it's the the second part of his Joan of Arc saga. Bru- oh, his uh, Bruno Dumont's Joan of Arc is the second part of his um, Bruno. Uh, his uh, sorry, jeez, let me start over. Bruno so Joan Dumont. of Arc is it, it's Joan of Arc is Bruno Dumont's sequel to his film Jeanette. It's the second film, second and final film in his Joan of Arc series, and um, we've talked about it. We talked about it. Th- this was our early pandemic film. Uh, we got a screener for it, and that was really cool. Um, shout out to his people. That was very nice. And I, you know, I think, so if you're familiar with Bruno DeMont's films, they're weird. They're a little off. The people he casts, he usually uses non-professional actors, but I think, um, and I'm, I'm repeating what I said months and months ago is that unlike all the other Joan of Arc films, these are films that actually use a child to portray Joan of Arc, even, uh, well, not child, but like a teenager, at least even in, you know, her final days. Uh, you know, a lot of times in cinema, in Joan of Arc movies, and there have been plenty, they're played by people who are in their, like, you know, 30s, sometimes approaching 40, and it sounds a little nitpicky, but, you know, I think it hits harder when you see someone's like, oh, someone who was, like, 18, 19 did all this, I think, and, and, and they actually look young, I think that kind of, it makes the film a little more impactful. And, you know, Bruno Dumont, he's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. He's one of my favorite current filmmakers. So I'm glad that he delivered because I was, I was anticipating this and it, and it delivered. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you, like, I found out about Bruno Dumont through you. The first movie of his I saw was Malut. Was that really the first? Oh, I kind of like that. I mean, it, it's not a full representation of his style, but I like that being I someone's just don't know, intro. Like, as I've said a lot, like uh, for before the podcast, for a non super 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 film buff, I had a good grounding and a good understanding and a, I think a complicated palette. And now, sure, my palette has gotten larger and larger. I still have a lot of blind spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm definitely like like westerns. I really only know like psychedelic westerns, some spaghetti westerns, weird westerns. Like um, we were talking about Hooper last week or two weeks ago. Oh, Toby Hooper? No, no, shit, no, not Hooper. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, on an episode that hasn't coming out, come out yet. Walker. 
We talked about Walker. Oh, oh, yeah, duh. Right. Oh, Alex Cox is Walker. Alex Cox, sure. you know, sure, 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 sure. Who who does like weird westerns like Straight to Hell, Walker, and and Repo Man, which really isn't a western, but just a great movie. But Baccarat was a weird western, and I liked it. But, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So when you sent me Jeanette, Bruno Dumont's first Joan of Arc movie, you were like, "Yo, this is like a." naturalistic natural light uh understated metal musical about the childhood of joan of arc and i was like well that's that's either going to be really bad or really good and and it was good but joan of arc is is the second part of her life when she you know but is believed to have visions by God and starts her war and then goes to trial and and is is burned alive. <clears throat> yeah. And I you know it's not spoilers for something that's happened 700 years ago. <laughs> right, right. Not 700, but many years ago. Right. I don't remember the exact date, but yeah. the performances are better, the music is better, the cinematography is better the the storyline is better and the the courtroom drama part just like blew me away yeah and as you said that Joan of Arc was like Bruno Dumont's only God forgives yeah it was very much so um, yeah so that's my number f- number five no, four. Four, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like going over. Sure, sure. Um, my number three is something that you mentioned earlier in your honorable mentions, and that is Sound of Metal. I expressed, I was like, oh, I thought that would be a little higher on your list, but I, I know you still liked it. Um, again, we had a whole ep- episode on it. I, I, I haven't watched it since. And oh, also, shit. Li- like, what? I somehow took out bad trip bad trip was in my top 10 list i was gonna say i was the closer we got i was like what is this like your favorite movie of the year but no. um do you want to go um, back what where, where, where was that you know what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say number four is joan of arc slash bad trip okay because because bad trip was my favorite comedy of the year it was mm-hmm. heartwarming it was kind it was a way to do the sort of jackass motif, the found camera motif in a new way. Yeah. And and it showed the best of humanity. And I, I, I will agree. I will talk about it again later, but not in this list. I'm sorry. Uh, same, same. Actually, I, I feel like we're gonna say later on we're gonna say the same stuff. Uh, but no, no, no. But but it's it's uh, sound of metal. Uh, for our regular listeners, number three. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Num- number three. Um, I thought about it more. I just thought, you know, and it just it, it got to me more. And and for the regular listeners, you know, we did an episode on it. For you new folks, just go back to two episodes where uh, we, we we talked about it at, at length. It's it's a very just like it's just a really it's just a really great movie. Uh, the more I think about it, and oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Darius Martyrs. Uh, Sound of Metal about a uh, recovering uh, addict who's a, a, a rock drummer who's, who is uh, 
rapidly losing his hearing and just how he copes with that, copes with past demons and, you know, has to prepare himself to cope with his new life. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. a it's a very good movie. It's all yeah. yeah. All right. So my number three, mm-hmm. which I th- I don't know if it ma- oh actually I f- maybe it made it on your list. I'm not sure. Um, because I actually don't know what what's gonna. I don't. This is the first year where I have no idea. So number three is uh, "Sorry We Missed You" by Ken Loach. Okay. And. It's just the story of a family being destroyed by capitalism. Yes, perfectly put. And, you know, there's a lot. So, you know, what's interesting, I don't know if a lot of folks know this, but like in in, in certain pockets, a couple of negative comments, early Mm -hmm. festival comments about this movie got this movie more love. Because there was one particular... Critic, I don't even remember their their name, but they said that essentially they actually used the word style, but they were saying that Ken Loach has no style. Essentially, I'm that's, paraphrasing. That's, that's, that's bullshit. Sure, exactly. I think just because, and I'm going to throw out a director I love, like Michael Mann or Terrence Malick, or Hal Hartley, or someone I'm not too crazy about, Tim Burton. I feel like just because you don't wear like your style on your sleeve doesn't mean that you don't have style. I, I would think that's pretty a, a pretty elementary thing to say, but apparently to some folks. It's not. And uh, even though he hasn't been on the show, he's still a great guy. I'm going to call him a friend of the show. Like Matt, Matt Zollersites was one of the early people to call out that statement. And then was just like, no, actually, he does have style. It's whether if you want to be rudimentary and, and elementary and say, you know, the, the, the UK kitchen sink realism, which he is a pioneer of that. No too, question. But, he's but, like but, but there's so many the other styles. Yeah, but, but there's. Yeah, whether it's a natural style, a you know, he's kind of a... Yeah, so anyway, so a lot of folks rallied behind it. And it was funny, I, I, I saw that. I got to that Matt Zollersite's commentary through Mtume because he was just like, how, how dare people say Ken Loach has no style? And I was just like, whoa, what, what, what's going on? And I was like, oh, right, he has a new movie. And that was the... It was the second to last movie that I saw in the theater. Uh, of 2020 before things got shut down the last being the invisible man and um yeah certain it it just it it hit home to some degree i i i i've never experienced hardship and i hope not to as bad as the family and sorry we missed Mm -hmm. you so i'm not gonna jump out the window and be like oh i totally get it but it's like i don't know i I, I've, i've seen my parents struggle when it comes to certain stuff and you know i've 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 this whole past COVID, i've had some job things some 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 ups and downs or downs and up if if we want to go in order so it's like there are certain elements of the movie that 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 that, that definitely hit hit home on a personal level so yeah and i just want to say that like a couple things one mm-hmm. Matt solar sites is like the one of the best tv critics out there sure is one of the least pretentious writers about any of this shit. Yeah, yeah, he is. And he gave you a brown bunny poster. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That was very nice. He had me in, in well, his former home now, but inside, we, we kicked it for a little bit, talked. He was familiar with my movie comparisons, which I thought was really cool. And then he invited me uh, to a movie night that he was doing at IFC, free of charge. So that was so that's, so that's the kind of person he is. 
Yeah, he just seems like a good dude. I've never met him, but I like his Twitter personality. I like what he writes about. I like that he called it many years ago that TV is is a genre to be taken seriously. Yep. And I almost feel like I would be intimidated if if uh if he was on if he was on the show, but you know, yeah. of all like it's funny because of like this year we've had some of my heroes on, but but actually but journalists, I'm I get nervous about, and I just wanted to say something about kitchen sink realism, like that is style and like yeah that's incredibly frustrating, and mm-hmm. one of the first kitchen sink movies i ever i ever saw which was re- de- uh recommended to me by my friend theodore barrow was saturday night sunday morning by tony richardson and to say that that though that genre of those movies don't have style is just that's just that's just really weird and that then if you think those movies don't have style then then you're gonna then one would be frustrated with my number one movie of the year, which I'm not going to say yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ken Loach is another dude that's been making movies for decades. And, yeah. and to 60s. come and, and, and been doing different stuff. And all I could say about it is the last scene in this movie is just neck and neck with scenes from horror movies, except it's the horror of work. I, yeah, and 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 also, uh, t- I want to bring up you know classic films too. It, the ending of that movie, I know it's new still, but it it deserves to be mentioned alongside an ending like you know, um, Bicycle Thieves. You know, okay, I mean, it's kind of the same. I I I think it's on that level. I I, I do. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean the movie it's it, it's it's kind of a reworked bicycle thief really thieves and, but I mean that in a good way I'm not saying oh it copied it's it's like bicycle thieves didn't invent the idea of you know bad cat capitalism and 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 the struggle of work and the grind and whatnot it it, it it's all in the same lane so yeah yeah no capitalism did it yep. and it, you know I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, what does communism mean? What does socialism mean? What does all of that, does that mean I can't have things? Does that mean that the government's going to not allow me to have my house? No. Yeah. But if you right, lost your exactly. job, yeah. if yeah. you lost your job this year and you lost your health insurance this year and you almost got evicted this year and you think that it's really wild that a country with this much resources could allow those things to happen, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe you should reconsider your thoughts about capitalism yep. or, or understand that thinking that people should have at the very least affordable health care yeah. is not a radical idea. Yep. Perfectly said. I'm not, I mean, I, I think I was pushing socialism a lot more earlier episodes, but I'm not trying to proselytize. I'm just saying, 
that this year probably showed you the issues that we have and that all of that all of these systems could be taken down so quickly yeah then you might think oh maybe we should rethink some of these things i agree all right what do you got next well, we can quickly get into your number two because we can move past my number two because my number two is Ken Loach's Sorry We Missed You. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so my number two is uh, Brooklyn's own Eliza Hitman's Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Sure, sure. A harrowing, heartbreaking, matter-of-fact, closely shot, film about a journey of two cousins going to New York to to get a, an an abortion because where they live they're unable to do it and I'm going to talk a, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later but the film is is deservedly so getting a lot of love and it's winning awards and it's and the the actors who start in it are starting to get really great opportunities and yeah. it's a film Eliza Hitman just does a very good job of letting you fill in the blanks and letting you figure things out and it felt like love is one of my favorite movies of the last decade um Forever's Gonna Start Tonight, her short film, had me crying for 30 minutes. Uh, Beach Rats is a movie that Marcus likes that, that I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay about. But yeah. never rarely, sometimes, always. Just It does these little things where when you think about it more, you're like, holy crap, wow, there's so much density. Like even the movie starts with the main character doing a song at a talent show. And when you learn more about her experience and then you go back to the song that she's performing, yeah. it's super sinister. Or or when you realize why the movie is called what it's called mm-hmm. is one of is one of the <clears throat> most yeah, that, yeah, that's devastating yeah. reveals of a movie. Yep. It's you know it's weird. <clears throat> it's interesting. I I feel like because you mentioned beach, rat, beach Rats, we did like almost a reverse this year with the Eliza Hitman movies where I, I like Never Really, Sometimes Always. I, I did like it, but I'm not excited about it as like say you are, but that like when Beach Rats came out, I'm and I still am. I actually watched that movie last year um, for the first time in like, you know, I don't know, a year and a half or so. And I still like that movie very, very much where you were just like, it, it, it's cool, but it's not like I don't think you love it as much as like say... It felt like love or never really, sometimes, always. Right. Like, well, yeah, I don't love Beach Rats and I love never, rarely, sometimes, always. Yeah. Wait. So that's that's not your number one? What? Never, rarely, sometimes, always? No. Oh. I'm surprised. I thought it would be in your number ten... In your top ten or oh. your mentions. 
No, it, well, I, I do have to say, if you want to just go to PinlandEmpire.com, it's most recent. I did my end of the year review. It's in my honorable mentions, but I have a lot of honorable mentions. But but it, it is, unfortunately, no, it, it's it's not my number one. Okay, no problem. I'm I'm not I'm not judging. No, no, and, yeah. and if Eliza listens, you know, we loved her movie. You're not yeah. saying you don't like the movie. No, I, 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 absolutely not. Okay, so so what's your favorite movie of the year? Another round. Oh shit! I totally forgot that 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 we that we haven't talked about it since I said it was on my mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell me more. Um, so just to, yeah, quick, quick recap. It's, uh, these four teachers who are kind of there at a midlife crisis. Thomas Vinterberg. Oh, sorry. Th- Thomas, Thomas v- Vinterberg, his second, uh, cons- his, no, not consecutive, his second collaboration, uh, with Mads Mikkelsen. He made this, uh, this the submarine hunt. movie. No, no, but I'm just saying in, in, in between the hunt and another round, he made, uh, the sub submarine movie that was, it was what it was. But, um. It's a film about these four teachers who are at a weird spot in life. I guess you could quickly call it a midlife crisis. Yeah. And they just lost passion for life. It's not even so much in their teaching, but just in life. And and it, like they don't want to die, but they're just kind of like blah. You you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of when you get to a certain age, I or if you've been doing something for a certain amount of time, I I could see how you could get there depending on what it is. So the four friends slash teachers decide to just like come up with. Let's let let's let's try to not necessarily a buzz, but let's just drink regularly. Let let let's make sure we, our blood alcohol level is at a certain you know they they they, they come up with like a al- alcohol level that that they can't go past, and it's just like let's just see if it improves our lives, and if it improves our lives, let let's just keep going with it. Let let let's st- let's st- steadily go with it, and it does it starts to work. Like their marriages get better, they have more fun, their teaching is better, their their students are more enthusiastic, but. Like all human beings, when something is great, you want to keep pushing it. You want to push it and push it and push it. And then, you know, things do get a little dark uh, or quite dark. And, you know, for, I don't want to spoil too much, but outside of the basic plot and outside of what we said earlier about how, like, hey, if some other director had took this plot, it would be just like kind of like a silly comedy. This is one of those movies without sounding like a a weirdo men's rights activist. It, this is the kind of movie that like makes me proud to like be a man. It's like, oh, I like manhood. I like being a man. The good stuff, the silly stuff, and even the not so good stuff that 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 men do. Well, we, this we, is we, this like is like positive, we oh, 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 huh? This is positive masculinity. This is men. I mean, there's a lot of bad things that happen, but like. But that's what I was getting at. But that's what I was trying to say. Even the stuff that like. Everyone does it, sure, but like when it comes to like, hey, banging on a desk or punching a, a, a hole in a wall, men do that exponentially more than women do. Like that is something that is associated with males. You know what I'm saying? And speaking from super personal experience, just like a couple months ago, I got so mad when I was doing work, I banged my hand down, you know, on a desk and I broke my pinky. So you know what I'm saying? And it's just kind of like, it's fine. It's oh, that's why healing. you broke your pinky. Oh, I didn't. Oh, wait, I never told you why. No. Yeah. We. Yeah. Anyway, and it's just one of those things. But like our our reaction now, when it when it happened, like oh shit, it hurt. And in true kind of male fashion, I didn't even go to the hospital right away. 
I just noticed after a couple of days, like, oh, it's swollen. Something's not right. But it took me a few days. Well, not even. It took my wife to, which is, again, kind of a typical thing. But even that, like, your reaction now, like, you're like, that's how you broke your hand and you kind of, like, you laughed. Like, that, that's kind of, you know, any gender can do that, but I think it's very associated with men. You know, like, there's that famous viral video of these two young, like, these little kids, these brothers who invented this game where, like, they hit the, 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 the trash can lid and they hit each other on the forehead and they and it looks like it hurts, but like they're having the fun, the most fun doing it, and they can't wait. Like they're like, no, no, it's my turn. No, 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 it's my turn. Like they can't wait to get smacked in the head with like a with like a metal trash can lid. And it's kind of like, sure, our brains develop, and we become dads, and you know, we we work, we have responsibilities. But there, there's always a grain of that. There's always like a seed of that. In, in us there's always that in, in inner child in all humans but but men specifically um i also feel like this is kind of the movie that i don't know if you do you remember todd phillips's little children came out in like 2006 kate kate winslet patrick yeah, wilson fuck that movie. Yeah. every time you bring that movie up i'm like fuck yeah that movie i don't like in, that movie. in terms of i'm not talking about the the the, the jake earl harley haley stuff but in terms of like adults like Trying to avoid responsibility and and turning into little children, hence the title of the movie. I feel like, like kicking, kicking and screaming, kicking and screaming. No, I feel like yeah, is a better yeah. example. Yeah, but the, but well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, I feel like another round is a better example, a much better example of what I think little children was trying to be to some degree. So, I you know much like what. Uh, the Lost Okoroshi was in late 2019 and a big part of early part of 2020. That's what another round was. This, I, I, you know, if you go back various forms of social media, you know, in the springtime, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to see this movie. I can't wait to see this movie. And then there's nothing like highly, a highly anticipated movie delivering well more than what you thought it was going to do. So like, it's, it's such a great feeling. So yeah. And, who yeah. knows? Maybe it would have been in a higher for me if I had like I saw it recently. I thought it was good. I what I want to say is I think there is in this world something that gets lambasted a lot as this one simple thing like toxic masculinity or men are garbage or men are trash and like men have to do better. And in many instances, men are garbage and men are trash. That is, those things are true. But, mm-hmm. like, this year, which has been very challenging for me, mm-hmm. one of the reasons it's been easier is the fellowship I've had with other men. Being able to, like, text you, like, you know, this is some shit I'm going through, and you being there for me, or, like, you texting me some shit, and us being able to interchange... Uh, seriousness and levity and jokes and support and I think that sort of thing is important and like like that's okay right yep it's that it's it's that proud boy shit that's that is toxic and that's what what that proud boy Nazi shit is doing is they're manipulating the fact that there's a lot of men that feel very lost that don't have positive relationships that don't have like men in their lives where they can be all the things. Yeah. Not just happy, not just sad, 
not just funny, not just whatever, you know, where you just know that you can be whoever you want. Like Chris Rock said really well one time, like Vanilla Ice knows who his real friends are. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Like friends that got you on the bad days. Too. Yeah, of course. And yeah, another round also has another another final scene that's just incredibly powerful and magical. Yeah, and and so much. So I I feel like I I wrote like you know I did the kind of quick thousand word post you know film festival review, but like just that the the last act, the final scene of another round could be could have its own kind of essay, just because I the the the, the folks that I know who have seen it, some are just like what a beautiful glorious scene, and that's it. And true, there's an element of it, but there's also it, it, it's not. Completely oh, it's kind of disturbing and beautiful. Yes, and yeah, exactly. It's all of those things. Exactly, exactly, it's, exactly, it's exactly. Cathartic and expulsatory, and there's there's a lot going on. It's not. It's and not it also to one, some degree challenges. Shit. Oh, sorry. I was. Gonna, it also challenges some shit about men too, because like what I was saying earlier, you know, it is pretty typical for men to be like, "God damn it!" and they smash something, but it's like they dance. And then to, 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 to pull back the curtain, it's like Mads Mikkelsen was like a trained ballet dancer, you know, but he's also like the guy from Valhalla Rising who will like tear your intestines out. You, you right, know what I'm I saying? Mean, and I think that's all that men can be. Like we could, we like well, beauty, but we also like destruction, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there one of the great boxers who just, who just had like a, not that bad, but not great loss recently Lomachenko mm-hmm. his his father had him do folk dancing for four years to get his footwork nice or boxing oh wow I didn't know that yeah and you know Prodigy was a ballet, ballet dancer yes he was but he also breaks bread rib and ribs and hundred dollar bills so yeah broke rather rest in peace uh, yeah alright so yeah. So what's yeah? So we got some superlatives. Wait, yeah. Why don't you start those off? I haven't even said my favorite movie of the year. Oh, sorry. I know. I, oh, sorry. You like Kelly Reichardt so much. I just. I sorry about that. Or not Kelly. Jeez, Eliza Hittman. Sorry. Yeah, Eliza Hittman is number two. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. Number one is Dan Salat's fourteen. Wow. Oh man. That's kind of a cool, like, that was at the end of my top list and the start of yours, so, so that's also kind of cool. Well, and, you know, just like my number one movie of last year, mm-hmm. which I believe was Souvenir, mm-hmm. and my number one movie, not the year before, is this our third annual or our fourth annual? 2017, 18, 19, this is our fourth so, Zama was my favorite movie one year. Yeah, I think that would have been 18. But that movie wasn't like... It, I just, it just like was so f- head and shoulders above the rest that it was sure. undeniable. Yeah. But you have 2017, I think it was The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, oh, a thousand percent. Yep. Which was 
a movie that just was deeply, profoundly personal and dark and funny and delicious and connected to me. And then The Souvenir was my movie last year, which also just connected with me on a, on another, again, like on this like personal, powerful thing. Like it just connected with me and wouldn't let it go. Yeah. And I had no idea what this, what 14 was about. You were just right. like, yo, that's a movie you got to check out, whatever. Yeah. And I've just been catching up on movies <clears throat> the past two weeks, just like really trying to catch some things I missed. And then this movie about two friends drifting apart. Yeah. Over 10 years. Um, just beat the shit out of me. Yeah. <clears throat> and, it's, um, it's no yeah. frills. It's not, it's like, you know, how would you describe Dan Sillett's, uh, Sallett's film style? His film style is, it's, um, and I think we'll, we'll get into this in, in later uh, episodes, but I think it's safe to say that his film, one, it, it's very, it's it's naturally minimalist, mm-hmm. not minimalist in the style, like, like, like as an artistic choice minimalist, but it's just kind of like, it's intentionally, you know, bare bones. It, it, it relies heavily on the performances and the subject matter rather than like any kind of cool editing technique. Although at the same time, he has very long uninterrupted shots as well, mm-hmm. which is also an editing technique as well. It, it, it's very much also in the style of he he's he's a fan of of both Brisson and Ackerman. So yeah. if you if you know Shanta Ackerman's films and you know uh, Brisson's films, there is a it, there's an intentional deadpan style to both of their to both of their just like Dan's. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a naturally minimalist in the lane of say like Brisson and and, and Ackerman. Absolutely, and I have a lot I need to think about this movie, but. I was like, yeah. oh, this movie had me in a puddle. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to go deeper on it. You said we're going to have the director on. Yeah, we're going to have Dan on soon, actually. So, uh, And I'm really look, looking forward to it because there's so much to talk about with this movie. But there's also just so much to talk about in general because Dan, uh, he had, hold on because I, I, I want to say it. He has a really great film blog. You know, once you become like an established director, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of times you kind of shy away from any kind of criticism. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable. Like, I, I get it. It's not It's not just in film, but in anything. If you participate in something and critique it, it can get a little, it can get a little muddy. So, but at the same time, he just maintains his love. Like, he doesn't, his film writing and his film blogging, he doesn't dwell on like stuff that he hated. He just talks about what he likes and that's kind of it. Oh, it's uh so salitfavorites.wordpress.com is, is like is, is a great kind of resource. I, lo- for, I love that you know, he has a WordPress. Yeah, well he's all, well that's the thing. He's all, and he also ha- he has another that that he he has there's there's salit.blogspot.com as well. So there's two different ones and he's maintained them for quite some time. And I can also attest to the fact that 
Actually, I'm not going to tell this story. I'm going to wait till we have him on so, so I tell this other story. But he's, he's just kind of a staple in New York City film culture also. And what's so. really insane is I'm looking at his at his films of 2020, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen any of them. He, he man, he's, um, yeah. That, that's he, really, that's really crazy. Yeah. He's also just interesting. Like, if you follow him, he, he's a good follow on Twitter. You know, a lot of times, he like he'll just give out his daily film watching schedule that he's about to do. Like he'll just say, "Hey, I'm headed to uh, Anthology Film Archives to watch these two movies, and then I'll be at Film Forum uh, to watch this." And like he'll give the times and everything. Like he's a you know, yeah, he 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 truly loves films. Wow, good for him. Yeah, I just want to say so. Um, Fourteen, you can rent. At Grasshopper Films, it's mm-hmm. it's five bucks. It's worth it. It's my <clears throat> favorite movie of the year. I wow. was not. That's surprised. awesome. I, I, I was. Oh man, that makes me happy. It doesn't make me happy. It's a depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. depressing and it's brutal. And again, because it's not, it's not not stylish. It's just the style of it is to just throw you in absolutely thousand percent and i i should say we haven't been talking a ton about the actors in the movies that you know that we've been doing today and i i feel bad for not for not oh, saying that. well hey i i can get into I, I i can you know run through a couple real, real quick just like i i will say i don't mean well, to i was just gonna say that these actresses are, oh, I thought you meant in general. Sorry. Yeah. What? I thought you meant in general performances of the year. Sorry. Yeah. I, Even I, though I, the star know, tally medal of fourteen is 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 great, as is the actress who plays her friend as well. They're both great. <clears throat> yeah, I mean tally tally medal and Norma Cooling in fourteen um, was just what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. I let me see. Mads Mikkelsen in another round. Um, yeah. I don't know. Francis I, I don't, Mc, Francis I don't want to do that. Oh, I, I, I do want to just... So David Strathairn in Nomadland is great because I think, as as it should, Francis McDormand is going to get a lot of the attention, but like as far as good supporting performances go, like David Strathairn, uh, Paul Racy, if we're getting to good, great, you know, mm-hmm. supporting performances, him and, you know, The Sound of Metal. Uh, yeah, I, you know, and then other stuff that just no one will... I think, so, <laughs> Randeep Huda in Extraction... I think his his whole character arc was very good, although sad. That's true. Yeah. You know, like so 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 there's, so there's some unexpected stuff, but yeah, I'm not gonna list every single one, but th- th- those are some of my standouts. Okay, so shall we go to um, the the other flavors of our year end lists? Yeah. Okay. Get, what was what was, what was your soon. least favorite movie of 2020? Three. So. Two, one, red, white, and blue. Yes, red, white, and blue. Yes. The the movie and and, and the story. And yeah, you were I've supposed to say it at the same time. Oh, I thought you were. Oh, I thought you were like counting me in, and then I would say it. No, because I and just knew I that confused. we were both gonna say it. Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. Well. Yeah. You ruined everything. <laughs> Meatloaf. 
Yeah. Do you have any, do you have other any least favorites? Yes, but I don't want to say it too many times. So okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna say it again later. So I'll just I'll leave it at that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, why you did that for? Oh, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Can I go? Please. Capone. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. And that's all I got. Just Capone and God damn it. So to me, it was like, to, that movie was just so bleh. Yes. <laughs> and yes. The, the score was good. Yeah, shout out to LP. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anything else? No, that that that's my main one, and it's also gonna come up again on another category. But okay. Uh, what 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 about yours? I have I have three. Okay. One is red, white, and blue. Sure. But that's all I have to say about that. Sure. Um, I do want to say I. I I'm, I'm, I don't know why this upset me so much, but Happiest Season just really frustrated me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it, cause it was just like, Happiest Season was the Hulu um, Christmas film that was touted as like, lesbian Christmas romantic yeah. comedy. Yeah. And I just felt that... It just, it just frustrated me, because, just like the premise and deciding when or not they were going to be over the top. But that's besides the point. This is, this is what I, this is what I really want to talk about. And I've really tried to not talk about this on the podcast. I've, but screw it at episode 100. M. Tume said I should I should say things that I dislike more often if it's constructive. Okay. Borat 2 is a propaganda piece of shit. Sasha Baron Cohen sure. has become a hack, a shell of his funnier days. Not only was Borat 2 manipulative and dishonest, he doesn't want to show humanity. There is an agenda. He manipulates people to, to tell a story, and the story he was telling is what is it even supposed to be? When he talks about how he's bringing comedy to a social aspect, he's not. Unlike Bad Trip and John Wilson, where they celebrate and and want to be surprised by people's kindness, that want to show you that, that people are good, Sacha Baron Cohen seemingly doesn't. Goes out of his way to even be mean to nice people. He tries to act like he's radical, like what he did with the first Borat, which I saw through the bullshit back then, but whatever. He is not radical in his politics, and unlike the first Borat, where it seemed like people were being whack of their own volition, this movie coerced people into bad behavior. It did. Yeah, it did. It did. I didn't even bother to bring it up, but I'm glad you did. Borat 2 was indicative of the issues of quote-unquote progressives, not leftists. This idea of perpetuating certain narratives and pushing this elitist perspective and making it seem that poor white folks from outside of cities are one way, which is simply not true, it Mm -hmm. pushes people away from even considering certain politics and 
separates us for no good reason. Because what was he even pushing other than like voting for fucking Joe Biden? And, yeah, yeah. and when you go around saying that poor white people from from non-cities are dumb, racist, and simple, that's that's just so... It's a distraction. It's minimalist. It, it just pushes people away instead of talking about the fact that, like, big politics that are center left and center right have been screwing over poor people, period. And, and I just really like this movie made me angry. And also like Rudy Giuliani, as much as I find to be a disgusting human being was not masturbating in that scene. He was pulling a lav mic out of his pants. That's it. If that's how you take out a lav mic. Sure. I I I, yeah, I get it. <clears throat> I feel like this the, the reaction you just had this year is like it's like this is your Jojo Rabbit of this year to 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 some degree. It's yeah, but Jojo like, Rabbit isn't dangerous. Oh, okay. And and Jojo Rabbit Jojo Rabbit was like a movie that missed the mark and did things that I have problems with and and also was like trying to at least be a good movie mm-hmm. like Borat wasn't even a good movie it wasn't edited well um, it did a disservice to the actress that played Borat's daughter who seems very talented um, right yeah fuck this movie And yeah, I guess I, I'm. Uh, I'm not even gonna make the joke I was about to make. All right, who be winning? Who be winning? What? Do, uh, I I have Mads Mikkelsen and <clears throat> Thomas Vinterberg together. My first question, my first answer was no fucking idea. <laughs> oh, okay. But but then I added uh, streaming services, uh, John Wilson and Eliza Hitman. Nice. Okay. Because Eliza Hitman was able to take a situation with her movie was was coming out in theaters when the pandemic hit. And yeah. then it was a, a true success of the streaming era. Yeah. Whereas, like, there were a lot of misses, like Mulan or, you know... In some ways, it's hard to say if Wonder Woman is a success or not, but... No, it's not. It is not... It is not like eat folks. It, it it's not. It's tinged in, in any way possible. Fan wise, critic wise, there's people who, there's two types of people who like it. Some who there's always going to be someone who does genuinely like something, no matter how many people don't like it. And then there's people who are in denial, who have to kind of push this. Oh no, it's good. But for the most part, this movie is not a success. It's not a flop. Let, let me be clear. It's not like a bomb or a flop. But it is not. It is considered not good. It's considered a disappointment. Across the board. Okay. Whereas whereas Eliza Hitman was really able to make the best out of the situation she was in. Yep. So that's 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 who be winning. Yeah. Who be losing? Ah, uh, this is a little too real and sad, but movie theaters. 
Oh, that's my first as well. Oh, oh snap. Okay, yeah. No, not so. I, 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 I kind of went one for 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 each of the categories. So, so that's that's a big one. Movie theaters. Yeah, movie theaters, independent cinema, and everybody. Damn. Oh man. And uh, and it's not like you know, you're wrong, but uh, victims of police violence. Sure. Uh, that was nice. Hold on. I have... No, no, not oh. police violence isn't nice. We have a no, no, I know, I, I know, I, I know, I, 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 I know what you meant. Um, <clears throat> specifically, I mean, there, there, there's multiple folks, but can at the I end, say, of the can day... I say the first one? Oh, I thought you were asking. Yeah, go ahead. You getting married? Oh man, thank you. Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's not on my list, <laughs> so, but it is. I just, I, my. I was just in movie movie thinking mode, but yeah, no, that was well. That was, was, movie was one of the best mode, days of my life. Like, half of movie Twitter was at your wedding. This is also true. Shout out to everyone who was there. Um, no, it was a great day, a great weekend, everything. It was awesome. It was amazing. Once in a lifetime. It's only gonna happen once, and and it does tie into COVID to some degree because it's like. So all year, my wife and I have been hearing from folks like, "Hey, your wedding was the last." great big piece of fun that I've had all year and it's it was, just kind of like it sucks but at the same time it is nice that I was me and my wife were responsible for that so yeah shit. the last two parties I went to this year was uh your wedding and Shaka King's 40th birthday which I missed you I had like just left and then apparently you got there after I left yeah and I ate I ate all the curry salmon man it was yeah. delicious what else was there there was all the food there was, was, was excellent. I definitely had two plates. Two, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was what I call pizza o'clock, but without pizza. <laughs> okay, so what was nice? Oh, the... Um, damn it, I just scrolled. Okay, so there's multiple folks, but I think at the end of the day, the, the, the guy with the dreadlocks in the car crash scene <laughs> in Bad Trip... Was was very nice, like the way he just kind of commanded stuff, and and he, and he even he, it's not his responsibility. First of all, you don't have it's it's not you're not obligated to break up anything, but not only did he just try to separate just to diffuse, he got a little personal. It was just like you guys are friends, like what, what's 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 going on? He almost tried to mediate for a second, so he went above and beyond in a couple of ways, and I thought that that whole moment was it, it was nice, because I'm big on friendship, as yeah. as, as I know you are also. Bad Trip was just really nice. And actually, that's funny. That So the things that I thought were nice was, you know, I was, I was quarantined in a way where I didn't see a lot of people. And then I moved to another city. And, you know, I'm watching, watching uh, episodes of Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5 with Jake from Ridgewood. Um, like becoming text friends with Frank the Tank. Um, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know, building stronger bonds with Carlo, like checking in with him, making sure he's good. Uh, sure. John Armenio and me becoming like pen pals and friends. All of that has just been really solid, you know, uh, just like good support from people. Um, Bill Scurry's been nice to me. He gave me the best 
thing of peanut butter I've ever had. Um, Bell's curry is always nice. Yeah. So that's what I had to say about that was nice. Mm-hmm. Biggest disappointment? Uh, Wasp Network. Olivia says it's Wasp Net Network. Um, he was, huh. you know, a few years ago. Yeah, I, I, I hold him to a weirder, higher standard than, yeah, say, the average person. Yeah, because that movie was, and, like, not that bad to me. Yeah, I think... Have, have, have you seen all his films? Not all of them. Yeah. I See, to me, I feel like he's uh, Ray Allen and I'm Denzel Washington in uh, He Got Game. Okay. I know the great shit that he has done. So when he does, like, stuff like nonfiction or Wasp Network, it's kind of just like, eh. Whereas, like, when he's when he's kind of just, like, weird, Assayas is when he's the best. And I think a couple of years ago, we were getting that back. It was like he went from Clouds of Sils Maria to Personal Shopper, two weird movies, and then he just went back to kind of his, like, other stuff. And I was like, oh, damn it, I thought we were getting the weird Assayas. I mean, Demon Lover, Irma Vep. Uh, boarding gate, like the weird kind of assayist is, 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 is what I like the most. And I thought with personal shoppers specifically, he was getting back there and I guess not, but he's still one of my favorites, but I just, I expected better. I mean, I just didn't think it was like that bad of a movie. Oh no, it's not bad, but it's just like, eh, it's fine. Well, and I, I think th- he's better doesn't than Doesn't he have a TV show coming out? What? I think he has, like, a TV show based off of one of his movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Or maybe I read I about it somewhere, but I don't know. No. I didn't find that movie to be, like... But again, my relationship with Asaius is different than yours. Yeah. No, of course, of course. Sure. Um, but, uh, okay, so... Uh, whew. All right. Biggest disappointing. I'm going to go... Okay. I'm going to go from trivial to less trivial. Okay. The American remake of After the Wedding. Still didn't see it. But yeah, okay. After the Wedding was really good. The American remake of After the Wedding, which... Oh, the one with Julia Moore. Yeah, okay. Right, right, right. No, I, I I still didn't see it. Sorry, I mean to cut you off. I and just... it wasn't even that bad of a movie. Like Sasuke and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But it still was like whatever. Yeah. Uh, red, white, and blue. Sure. Uh, me spending a bunch of money for us to go see Tinder sticks. Uh, oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. They were doing like one of their first, one of their first tours. In, in April. In April. Yeah. And uh, that got canceled. Yeah. And that was a big disappointment. Because I yeah. was... I don't really like to see concerts. And that was going to be me getting... going Because I used to love going to concerts. But then I, decided, I, de- I developed social anxiety. Right. So then I, I stopped enjoying concerts and I was like you know what this is going to be good I got us tickets it got it got disappointing because it didn't happen yeah you ever seen the 100 foot journey no about like Helen Marin and Manish Dial like have a food rivalry 
It's cute. Watched it recently. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, but like, yeah, so that was a real big disappointment. Um, sure. hold on a second. What? Uh, just, and then there's like, you know, uh, police continuing to get away with killing black people. Yeah. Uh, my best friend dying, uh, COVID, oh, yeah. COVID killing lots of people sure. and destroying a lot of shit and in infrastructures. Uh, yeah. Not seeing my mom enough. Sure. Oh, one thing that was nice is I got my, I got my master's degree. Hell yeah. It was a really cool surprise party. Oh yeah, you were there. I, I was there. Also, um, you know, I just wish there, I miss good grandma vibes. Uh, I don't know, dude. Um, we, we interviewed Josh Burnett, Eliza Hitman, uh, a lot of Charles Burnett. I just said that. Sound like you said Josh Burnett. I swear that's what it sounded like. That that's the reason I said that. What the fuck? What are you talking about? I swear to God, it sounded like you said Josh Burnett. Who's Josh Burnett? I I don't know. Uh, is that a person? I don't know. Probably. I mean, right? Of course, there's like a person named Josh Burnett. But if that's yeah. like a famous person, yeah. But yeah, we had positive things. Is we had Warren Wade Anderson and Tumay Gant. Oh, yeah. John John Wilson, Soren Sorensen, Trent Harris, Outlaw Vern, Charles Burnett, Abba Makama, Dallas Hallam, Patrick Horvath. Oh man, yeah. Like Jared Gilman. Yeah. I think I said Eliza Hitman. Yeah. Saskia Saskia showed up. She needs to come back a little more next year. Uh, of course. Frank the Tank. John Carluccio. I'm saying, dude, like, it was that that part was good. It was great, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Uh, biggest surprise. Oh, uh, oh, damn! Sorry, I, I, I can start. Go. Uh, no, 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 I have. It. Oh, oh, <laughs> never mind. There you go. Sonic, you can't kill David Arquette. After midnight, bad trip, little peep. Yeah, pause. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yes, Sonic was mine. And because I rented it, I streamed it at, at like the full rental price. I watched it a bunch of times, like in one sitting, to get my money's worth. Which one? Sonic, sorry. You also like paid to watch cats. Uh, my wife did. Yeah, but y'all are one person, man. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Um. Oh, which reminded me of another thing, but I forgot. I forget oh, more. I forget more than I remember sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um. 
But yeah, cats. People paid for cats. Yeah. Oh, I heard the David Byrne thing was good with Spike Lee, but I didn't see it. You know, I, that's what I heard at first, but now I'm hearing from from opinions that I trust. I'm hearing that it's like, what the hell was this? Which kind of makes me want to see it more. So, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I um, and uh, do you have anything for don't do that? Yes. Uh, yeah, I do. I wanted to get back. So I said Capone was going to get mentioned more than once. Look. If everyone deserves multiple chances, just because you make a few bad movies in a row doesn't mean like, oh, your career should be over. But I do feel like, it's going to sound like a personal attack, but still, a guy like Josh Trank, uh, if he gets another chance to to do like a big scale movie, I'm going to be a little disappointed because there's folks, I'm not going to get into gender, I'm not going to get into race, but there are just people who do something they make a mistake once in, no, in, in Josh their art Trank, and, and, Josh and, and, and you never... Have, oh. Josh Trank having a career still is white privilege. Come on. Yeah, and, and it's just like, I, you know, it's one of those things <laughs> where like, you know what, go, go go back to Chronicle. Look what, look what got you on, look what you did right, and maybe stay in that lane for a bit. Because it, it, it's not even just like... He had the Fantastic Four thing, and I don't care about a director's cut. I I, I don't under I, I can't no, imagine uh, I, I can't heard, I can't imagine any version that would no, make that I, movie good. I'm gonna I'm be real. I I've heard that his version was actually not bad, not good. Fine, but but this goes back. Okay, but th- but that's one thing. And then you're supposed you were supposed to direct a Star Wars movie, and then you lost that. And then you make this Capone movie, and it's not good. It's just like how many times. How many chances, it's like Marvel, Star Wars, Al Capone biopic. Like, you get all these crazy chances, and it's never that good or good at all. And you have other people who, they'll, they'll get on, they'll make a great piece of art that makes it more popular, and then they don't necessarily get, this, get the same success the second time around, and you never hear from them again. And I just think, you know, so. And I don't, yeah, I don't... Are there even any apologists for Capone? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yep. I mean, I'm aside not going to give him too much shine. I'm just going to say that yes, there are. I mean, so. it turns out Armin White liked that movie, but you know. God damn it! Fucking of course he did. You know what? <laughs> Let's. I'm. I'm How do okay. you, it's like how do you just turn into a parody of yourself? You know what? With, so let, here's, yo, let, let's Mark, end on something positive because God Marcus, damn it, Marcus. What? What? I love you. <laughs> let's hope 2021 is good. We've had a stellar 2020. Uh, let's continue to like movies. Mike, check.
lot, but never cop, no drop. Hold mics like ponytails tight and bobble ops. Stop, stick around, come through and dig the sound of the fly brown 6060 cycle. Who throws a dick around? Bound to go through plat. Came to destroy rap. It's an intricate plot of a b-boy strap. Fem stack cats get kidnapped. Then release a statement to the press. Let the rest know who did that. Metal fist terrorists claim responsibility. Broken household name usually set in hostility. Um, what is MF? You silly. I like to take men's to the end for two milli. That's an audio daily double. Rappers need to fall off just to save me the trouble. Yo, watch your own back. Came in and go out alone, black. Stay in the zone. Turn H2O to cognac on Doomsday. Ever since the womb till I'm back with my brother went. That's what my tumor say. Right above my government, Dumoulin. Either unmarked or engraved. Hey, who's to say? I wrote this one in BCDC, old section. If you don't believe me, go get bagged and checked in. Cell number 17, I'm under the top bunk. I say this not to be mean, was bad luck or pop junk. Pop the trunk on Seaside for punk, leave him left scrape. God forbid, if ain't no escape, blame MF tape. Definition super villain. A killer who loved children, one who is well skilled in destruction as well as building. While Sydney Seller teaches the trife to be trifer. I'm trading science fiction with my man, a live lifer. A pie Pipe a holler a rhyme, a dollar and a dime Do his thing, ring around the white collar crime Get out my face, asking about my case Need toothpaste, professor mint Monkey style nigga to death to And dope fiends still in their teens Shook niggas turn witness, real men's mind their own business That's the difference between Sissy pissy rappers is double dutch How come I hold a microphone double clutch COs make rounds, never have ox found On shakedown, lockdown, wet dreams Of Fox Brown, on doomsday Ever since the wound, till I'm back where my brother went That's what my tumor say Right up on my government, Dumoulin Either unmarked or engraved, hey, who's to say? Doomsday, ever since the womb Till I'm back to the essence, read it off the tomb Either engraved or unmarked grave, who's to say? Pass the mic like Pastor P's like they used to say Some MFers don't like how Sally walk I tell y'all fools is hella cool, her ladies from Cali talk Never let it interfere with the Yeti ghetto slang Nicknames off nipple and temper nipples metal fang Known amongst hoes for the bang bang Known amongst foes for flow without no talking orangutans only gin and tang, guzzle out a rusty tin can Me and this mic is like yin and yang Clang, crime don't pay Listen you, it's like me holding up the line at the kissing booth I took her back to the truck, she was uncool Spitting all out the sunroof, through her missing tooth But then she has a sexy voice, sound like Jazzy Joyce So I turned it up faster than a speeding knife Strong enough to please a wife Able to drop today's math in the 48 keys of life Cut the crap for his rap Touch the mic and get the same thing an A-Rab do to you for stealing what the devil, he's on another level It's a word, no a name, MF the super villain yeah. Doomsday yeah.